Hey there, my name is Derek Duvall and I'm the lead pastor of Awakened City Church in Harriman, Utah, a suburb of Salt Lake City. And I want to thank you for checking us out. Awakened City exists to connect people from all walks of life with the hope that's found in Jesus. And we hope this message will be a blessing to you. For more information, you can visit awakenslc.com. Psalm 119 is where we're going to be today. So you can go ahead and make your way there. Psalm 119. Uh, and uh, if you make it there before I finish, don't be alarmed. It's a long chapter. I'm not planning on doing it all, only a few verses. But Psalm 119 is where we're going to be. Also, if you text the word lyrics with an S, you also, uh, along with the lyrics of the songs, it has our scripture on there as well. Uh, so you can find it there. Uh, and so we are at the end this morning of our series in walking through the book of Psalms. So we've spent our entire summer going week by week, uh, looking at a psalm or part of a psalm. And uh, really, if you're unfamiliar with the psalms, it's just this collection of songs and prayers that have been written by God's people, inspired by God, uh, that they might cause them and us today to worship and to know God. And so uh, that's our hope uh, for every Sunday, for every day, for every hour. Lord, we need you, right? And so uh, that is what God's Word is able to do and what it does. And so uh, we'll end Psalms today. We'll take a couple weeks. We'll look at a few other things, and then we'll jump back into Galatians the week after Labor Day. And we're going to, we, we started Galatians at the beginning of the year, looked at chapters one through three, uh, and then we'll look at four through six, the second half of this year, going verse by verse through it. And the first passage that we're going to look at uh, is a, uh, really what's incredible about it and mind-blowing is that the God of the universe, the creator of all things, would tell us, we're going to see in Galatians 4, to call him Father. And what's crazy about that is in the Old Testament, he was known as uh, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Jehovah Nisi, the God who goes before his people as a banner. Uh, Jehovah Rapha, God who is healer. But never in the Old Testament does he ever tell his people to call him Father. But in the New Testament, as God is continually revealing himself to us, he's going to tell us, to cry out to him as Abba, Father. And so that's just a, a fantastic text and just a, an intimate term to call the God of the universe. And so uh, we'll jump into uh, Galatians in a few weeks and, and be there. If you've ever been to a, a wedding, or if you've been to very many, you've probably seen those books on the table or the little fish bowls. And then what they want you to do is they want you to write some marital advice, any tidbits you might have, and you write it in the book or you write a piece of paper and you throw it in the fishbowl. Uh, and it's because going into marriage, we recognize uh, that uh, it's going to get harder, right? That the honeymoon phase will fade away and that we're going to need wisdom to make it. But at the same time, you're, you're naive enough to think uh, that you're only going to sort of need some of it. And so it's not as precious to you at the moment when you get that advice. You're like, okay, yeah, uh, we probably won't ever argue because we never have. Uh, and so I won't get upset about the way the toilet paper rolls or how they squeeze their toothpaste out. So I don't need that piece of advice, right? Um, but marriage is difficult, but even more difficult is just life in general. Life in general is even harder, and unlike marriage, there's no way of escaping it. Okay, that didn't come out right. Unlike, unlike marriage, you can choose to go into marriage. You can't choose to go into life. You're already born, right? So uh, 
we've got to understand, we've got to figure out how do we do this thing called life? But what if there was a book that was uh, full of perfect advice, full of perfect wisdom, that every single word could be used for our edification, uh, for building us up, for showing us what is true and what is false, uh, what is right and what is wrong? What if that book existed? Well, you know where I'm going to go with this. Uh, it does. It's God's word to us called the Bible. And it's not enough to just know that it exists. We, we've uh, got to get ourselves into God's word and we've got to let God's word make its way into us. And so we need to see and understand the treasure that we have in possessing God's word to us. And so for our short time this morning, uh, I want to read Psalm 119 verses 9 through 16 together, and then we're going to dig in for a few minutes, uh, and then we're going to close out with some really exciting stuff. So Psalm 119, verse 9 through 16, the psalmist asks, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you, let me not wonder from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. And I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. And I will delight in your statutes and I will not forget your word. Let me pray. God, we confess that we need your word. That your word guides us. It instructs us in, in life that is right and pure. It protects us from sin and ourselves. And God, we need that. And so God, as we look into your word this morning, we ask that you would speak to us through your spirit, God, that you would just do a work in our hearts, that you would allow for this to uh, penetrate our hearts and our minds, that it would not just go in one ear and out the other. And we would say, wow, that's, that was good. That was good truth. But God, that we would apply it to our lives, that your word would get in us, God. That's what we want and that's what we need. And so we ask for that in this moment. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so the psalmist begins verse 9 with a question. And he asks, how can a young man or woman keep his or her way pure? And then he spends the next seven verses that we're going to look at answering that very question. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. When we, when we speak of the word of God, we're referring to all of the Bible, okay? 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God's word guards us from those things that pollute and stain and destroy our lives. That drag us down and, and pull us away uh, from all that is good and right and pure. And so by God's grace, he has not hidden from us what pleases him. He has not withheld from us a wisdom and guidance, but he has clearly laid out uh, his word for us in the Bible. So Psalm 10, or verse 10, the psalmist continues. He says, with my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments, is what he asks. And so it's an all-out pursuit here. This isn't a half-hearted pursuit. We must engage with our minds, with our heart, with all of our strength. 
In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, Mark records these men come to Jesus. They say, what's the greatest commandment of all? And this is how Jesus responds in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And so Jesus says, the greatest thing that we can do is to love God, to love him, Jesus, in an all-out pursuit. But you need to hear this, faith family. This will not be popular. This will not be encouraged by our society to live like this. You will not be widely accepted if you do this. Know that. Remind your hearts of this so when it comes, you're ready. Teach your kids this. If you treasure God in your heart and you are in full surrender to God and you believe the words that are in this book, you will be persecuted. And this shouldn't surprise us because we've already been told that was going to happen in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. It says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And because of this, there will be temptation to, to back off of it, to keep our mouths closed, to keep your thoughts to yourself, to fade to the background, and the psalmist recognizes that tug to pull away or to wander away. And he says in verse 10, With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. The psalmist recognizes how easy it is to wander away from what God has commanded of our lives and for our constant need for God to woo us back to himself. So we live in a world that will not push us toward God. It will not encourage us to follow him in an all-out pursuit. Maybe I can compare it to uh, eating healthy. We live in a country where it's easier and cheaper to buy pre-packaged junk than to eat healthy, right? Can I get amen on that one? It's frustrating. I could buy a $10 salad or $20 salad, or I go to McDonald's, get two double cheeseburgers for a dollar, right? Here's the other thing with it. I, it costs us more to be healthy, both monetarily and in taste, because if we're honest, the stuff that's not good for us tastes better, usually. And the stuff that, that's good for us usually is lacking in taste, right? And that's the same in a, in a spiritual sense, that those things that are best for us require great discipline and sacrifice. Or so it seems that they require great sacrifice. Because if we have a, a, a right perspective, then we realize that actually... We give up more by neglecting spiritual disciplines that push us to a greater dependence on Jesus. We're giving up more, not less. And so it seems like a sacrifice, but in reality, it's not. But it's just like eating healthy. If, if we do not discipline ourselves, if we do not see the bigger picture in all of this, then we will nat naturally drift to that which is unhealthy in our life. And more importantly, we'll drift when it comes to spiritual matters. And so we've got to constantly remind ourselves of the value, of the, of the treasure, of the worth of knowing and having a relationship with Jesus. And that's why the psalmist says in verse 14, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. Read that again. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. The psalmist gets the value of knowing God and walking in obedience to his commands. The psalmist says, look, 
when, uh, when I followed the instructions that were laid out, when I understood the joy of walking out what was taught, it was far greater than any amount of money I could, ha having, I could have had. And Proverbs Solomon personifies wisdom as a woman. And he says this in Proverbs 3, 13 through 15. He says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Money can buy many things, but it cannot buy wisdom. It cannot buy peace. It cannot buy a prudence. And most importantly, it cannot buy our souls or salvation. Solomon also writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 12. Wisdom and money can get you almost anything, but only wisdom can save your life. So that's why knowing God's commands and treasuring those things in our hearts and living in all-out obedience to them is far greater than obtaining all the riches in the world. Church, hear me say this. I would love more money. I would love bigger, I would love a bigger and better home. I would love nicer cars. I would love better toys to play with, like boats and RVs. I would love to have the wealth of Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon. But I promise you this, I have more joy in my heart and more contentment in what I have than Jeff will ever have apart from him coming to know and trust in Jesus. You know how I know that? Because I have the wisdom of God in my heart and because of Jesus, which is far greater value than the riches that this world offers. That doesn't mean that I don't constantly have to remind myself of that because it seems like everywhere I turn around me, uh, I'm hearing a different story that there's far greater joy and value in pursuing the world than in, in knowing and following God. So I have to constantly remind my heart of this. But there's greater treasure and joy and having God's word stored in our hearts than possessing everything this world has to offer. This is temporary. What God has is eternal, right? And the best thing that you and I can do to fight this to fill our, is to fill our hearts with God's truth. And that's what the psalmist does in verse 11 of Psalm 119. He says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Storing up God's word in our hearts is more than just hearing his word that's proclaimed on Sunday or in small groups. It's more than just reading it on your own when you find some time to get alone and be with God and just read his word. Those are good things and you should do those. You should pursue those. But to walk in victory and joy, we must store up his word in our hearts. We should meditate on it and memorize it. The psalmist says in verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. We need to meditate, to think on, to chew on, to let it just kind of play, play within our minds for a while. Just think on what God is saying, what he has said to us. And one of the best ways for us to do that is by memorizing it. And, and memorizing it is exactly what we need because rarely are we tempted uh, to anger or lust or envy or gossip while we're reading our Bibles and have his word beside us, right? Usually we need God's, we need God's word uh, when it's not right there and available to us. And so we need it in those moments. And the only way we get it is if we have stored up God's word in our hearts so that in that moment we can recall it. 
You might say, well, if I sin, God has forgiven me. Maybe. But if we say that, we're missing the point that sin pulls us away from what is good and right and full of joy. And we don't even want that, right? And so we store up God's words in our heart that we might fight sin. Life is hard. Sin is certain. But we don't have to live our lives without direction, without wisdom. We've been, giving, we've been given something far greater than a fishbowl of mediocre advice. We've been given the Word of God, wisdom and guidance that leads to life, to hope, to joy and fulfillment. Cling to it. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Implement it. And if you're in here, if you're out here, whatever you want to call that this morning, and God's Word has never been that treasure for you, if you're being honest, if you're being honest with yourself, it's always seemed a bit archaic to you. In fact, you think it needs some revisions and some corrections. Can I plead with you to see it different this morning? Not for my sake, not for God's sake, but for your own sake. To recognize that when you make statements like that, when you have thoughts like that, what you're saying in your heart is, I'm smarter than God. I know better than God. And so he needs to change this. He was wrong about that one. Can I encourage you to just look at your life and be honest with yourself? When you think in your mind, you may not say this, but you think I'm smarter than God. I know more than he does. My ways are better than his ways. My thoughts are better than his thoughts. And so he needs to change some stuff. Can I encourage you to just take an honest look at your life if you think that? Because in that moment you think, man, I know better than God. But if we're being honest, if you look at yourself, you really stink and I really stink at making decisions for myself. We really don't know what brings greatest joy. And, and if you look at your life, you've seen that. You've been searching for a while. You've tried a lot of things and you still haven't found it. Everything you've chased after is still leaving you empty. And so maybe do an honest evaluation of your life and your choices and then confess that to God. Confess that you have sinned against and rejected a God who has offered life and forgiveness. And then choose to follow and trust what he has told you in his word. That Jesus is your only hope of salvation and your only way to be made right before a holy God. And so if you need to talk to someone, find someone you've seen up here or helping out, volunteering, and talk to them. Somebody, maybe you came with someone who knows Jesus. Talk to them. Say, man, what was said this morning, God's really convicted my heart. I don't know what to do about this. I got questions. Find someone to talk with who knows Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you know God and you have a relationship with Him, can I plead with you to, to meditate, to memorize, to implement His Word in your lives for His glory and your good? And can I be honest? This, this week's been really convicting to me because I find that my heart too often finds greater delight in the things of the world than in storing up God's Word in my heart. I don't know if anybody else is with me on that. But would you join me in committing to change that for the rest of 2020? To say, man, I don't want to waste my life filling my mind with things that don't please you. 
Maybe they're not bad things, but when I could be storing up your word in my heart, I've been wasting it on social media or TV or just nothingness. Can I encourage you to go, you know, I'm, I'm done wasting my life. I want to know Jesus more intimately. I want to know his word. I want to have it stored in my heart so that when I am tempted, I can fight that sin. That store up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's our, that's, that's our prayer. That's our plea. That's our desire. So I want to give us just a moment to, wherever you're at, wherever God's got you, to just reflect on what God's showing you this morning. Maybe you're in here, you don't know him and God's word has never been a treasure to you. And so for you, it's just, maybe it's a, it's a confession, God, I, I admit. I, I thought that I was smarter than you. And if I really look at my life, I do a terrible job of making decisions. I'm not acing it in any way. And I need you, God. This path I'm down is hopeless. I want hope and I believe it's in you. If you're in here this morning, you know him. Let it be a confession. God, I confess I have filled my life and my mind with things that are meaningless instead of treasuring your word and storing it up in my heart. And give us a moment to pray. We're going to sing a song. Now come back up here and we'll continue in worship.